Hi, I'm Liz Stokel. And I'm Debbie Rude. We're Dancing with Skeletons. We know what it's like to keep our past hidden away, like skeletons in a closet. We also know the healing that comes from acknowledging who we used to be and how much we've learned. So every once in a while, we dance with our skeletons. So come dance with us. Good morning, Liz. Good morning. Good morning, Vietnam. <laughs> the minute I said that, I thought that, I heard that in my head. Well, good morning, Deb. Hello. And good morning, Fresno. Yeah. Good How, morning, world. Good morning, world. How are you today? I, for the most part, am good today. We had a little bit of a scare. You know, there's there was a fire. Yeah. There's, I guess, there's still a fire. It's been it's been difficult to get any information, but. Um, there was a wildfire up near where we have a little little cabin. Yeah. But it seemed to have scooted around. And I don't even know if it's um, damaged any structures or anything. I've been trying to find that out. If anyone's lost a home or anything, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but last night, I was kind of like, well, I don't know what's happening. And, <laughs> but then this, I may be losing my home. Yeah, but then this morning, um, I guess it the news said that the fire had been contained, and I hadn't heard anything, so I, I'm assuming that everything's fine. And, of course, last year there was a wildfire that destroyed much mm-hmm. of your little mountain community mm-hmm. up there, mm-hmm. much of it. And um, yeah. you nearly lost your home last year. Yeah. Um, and, of course, did you see the fires in Laguna Niguel? Yes. Yes. So near Laguna Beach, there's these multi-million dollar yeah. homes it's that just... are just exploding in flames. And so it's that's a scary thing. And this fire... And it's And it's only May. And it's only May. It's only May. I know. And this fire that's up there in the foothills by your place, it's um, like right in between your place and my mother-in-law's right, place. Right, And um, so, you know, I texted my husband yesterday. He was out of town. And I said, hey, I, I need you to know that, you know, things may be going awry with your mom's place again. So let's keep an eye on this. Yeah. Um, we we don't technically have any spare rooms in our house. Right. Um, but we do have one that we could make into a spare room if gotcha. we needed to. Yeah. But um, that that doesn't sound fun because no. she's 80 years old and has 80 years worth of stuff. And patterns. And, and patterns. And, 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 and mm-hmm. I love her. Yeah. Uh, it's not about whether or not you would care for her. Of course, if she lost her home, she'd come to stay with us. Right. Of course she would. Right. But it's one of those things where, like, I I I feel so claustrophobic in my own home already. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I don't have a spare room either. Yeah. We have a fold-out couch in John's office. Yeah. And that becomes the spare room. And it's like, it's. I feel like someone can comfortably sort of be there for just a couple of days. But then after that, it's like, this is too small. Right. There's really not room. Yeah. There's really not. Small <laughs> kitchen, small bathrooms. It's just, yeah. it would be, would be hard. Um, yeah. But it would be doable because it, you know, you do what you got to do. Exactly. Um, exactly. But boy, so. it's just, it's just kind of something that all of a sudden you're thinking about, okay, today I'm going to go to the gym and then I'm going to go shop and yeah. then I'm going to do this and then I've got to go to work and blah, blah, blah. And now you're thinking... I need to clean out that spare room, yeah. and I need to, <laughs> yeah, and you know, just, I need to be prepared just, just in case. case. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So, oh. yeah, so that so that's co- kind of going on, but that seems to have, you know, 
settled. Yeah. So, um, but I don't know. How are you? How are you today? Well, so, you know, I had this double foot surgery and the, the, the recovery is going slower than I hoped. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's because I'm older. <laughs> Um, but one one foot had a lot more work done to it than the other one, so I'm getting around. And you don't the, have those shoes on. I anymore. don't have the. I don't have, have the, the. You have much more attractive shoes on now. Well, they're still size men size twelve, but still. Velcro shoes, or <laughs> so that they can accommodate my still very swollen feet. Yeah. Um, but when I went to the doctor yesterday, he took an X-ray and said, "Oh, look, all the hardware and screws are still exactly where they're supposed to be." Okay, that's good. And so that was good. And he said. Said, um, you can now go back to the gym. Don't walk on the treadmill, but you can do the bike. And oh. I'm like, I've been doing that for three weeks, but let's not talk about it <laughs> because I can't not go to the gym. Yeah. So I've been doing the bike and the upper body. I feel like some of my shirts have gotten a little tight in through the shoulders because I'm lifting getting, a lot of weights. Some muscle mass. <laughs> but um, but anyway, it's, uh, it's so it's good news. It's yeah, really good. That news. is good. Yeah, yeah. But are you yeah. still in pain? I am, but not not to the point where I'm taking drugs. Yeah. I yeah. am taking an anti-inflammatory, seeing if we can bring the swelling down a little bit. But I'm not taking any Tylenol or anything. Good. So good. it's a little bit of pain, but I want to know. I, you know, I've gotten to the point where I want to know where the pain is yeah. so that I can keep track of it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I get that. So I that's totally what's happening. That. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> well, so in the in the end of last week's episode, we started talking just a little bit about your trip to Memphis. To Memphis yeah. And your trip to the museum, yeah. which is a civil rights museum, we right? We went to the, the National Civil Rights Museum, which was at, um, it's at the Lorraine Hotel. Oh, the Lorraine. Oh, so, okay. so they've actually which take... is where uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was shot on yep. the balcony of the Lorraine mm-hmm. Hotel, and and they've actually taken that hotel and turned it into a museum. Oh, and it was, it was, amazing. Really, it was just an amazing experience to be there. So, you walk in, and the first room you enter. Um, is like a history of the slave trade and the African-Americans coming over. You walk into this little room. It's probably about as big as this, but it's a little bit more uh, long somehow. And there are like... this room is about six feet by six feet. Yeah, it's a small small little space. They've got some life-size bronze um, sculpture of slaves kind of sitting on their booties with their knees up, with their uh, their arms and their legs shackled, and oh they're gosh. shackled together. And there's five or six of them maybe in a row of this bronze. Yeah. So you so you see that, and they're life-size. Oh, gosh. And then there's an audio track playing of sa- the sounds that m- may have been happening on the boat. And then there's all these... Um, Photos, I mean, renderings and diagrams of how many slaves were shoved in those boats. Mm. But you hear this audio track of, like, people coughing and people throwing up and people groaning and and, and just, and and you, you really experience kind of viscerally what maybe it kind of felt like being shoved on one of those boats, shackled to one of your brothers or sisters. 
leaving your homeland yeah. and coming I mean, to a strange place it, it, to work for people you've never met before yeah. and not get paid. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I I walked onto the parking lot of the Lorraine Hotel and I looked up because there's a place where you can see outside the balcony right where he was shot and I was weeping before I was even in the museum. Yeah. <laughs> so we were in, in the lobby buying our tickets, and I asked the lady, I said, do you guys have any Kleenex? And <laughs> she, she whole box right there. And wow. I took, because it was just so intense. Wow. So that's the first, and they give you, they give you like a time frame. So you've got however long that you can kind of be in this um, first Part. And so there's that part of the... So it's kind of self-guiding. You can, yeah. you can get through it yourself, but in mm-hmm. your time, but... Yeah. A, a limited time, but yeah. kind of in your time. Yeah. yeah. So there's all different, you know, little um, exhibits, I'll call them, of the different historical facts about the slaves coming from Africa to South America, Africa to Northern, to Europe, Africa to here. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're looking at the floor, there's all kinds of, you see, they've got this whole huge map of the world and they've got roots that are like lighted up with lighting underneath that show where the boats went and mm. how long the journey was oh, wow. and how long it would have taken and just all kinds of, of really fascinating uh, things in there, diff- you know, the different um, people who led, you know, obviously Har- Harriet Tubman, but there was all kinds of other people who helped slaves escape that, that maybe we don't hear about as, as much as we hear about her. Right. And then it moves you from there into kind of more modern. And there's all different. I mean, it, we went through fast because we got there at like four and it closes at five thirty. Okay. And so... I mean, we could go through again and spend three more hours and look at completely different and read completely different things. Oh, my gosh. You know, I mean, it's it's just there's you're just filled with information and yeah. and um, like big, huge like buses like they had a bus that you could go on that was um, like the Rosa Parks bus. And so you could go on there and you could sit in the back of the bus and be inside a bus that was exactly like what it probably felt like yeah, and kind of sit there and just, it, it was just, it was very, um, uh, what's the word? User-friendly. It was very interactive, this yeah. museum. A lot of things that you could do that made you feel like you were part of it. Yeah. Um, and of course, the most probably intense part of the whole thing was literally going into the room where Martin Luther King was mm. and, and they had it. Uh, they had like a like a hallway, and there were two rooms, and so there was like glass. So they somehow built it where there was glass, and you could literally see, you know, the beds and the room and the mm-hmm. glass of water and the, the his briefcase and. and so then, you don't walk into the room; you you just stand outside of it, like well, they do in a lot of museums. Or it's like you're so if you had two hotel rooms right next to each other, it's right. like they built. They built a hallway in between these two rooms with glass. glass. So you're looking in, and then you can look out and see the balcony, oh, and it's marked gosh. right where he walked out. Oh, and gosh. and then you can go across the street to the building where 
he was when he killed him. The shooter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole piece of that museum, and they do a whole piece on him, and they they have where the bathroom window was, and I just yeah, it was intense. Well, and you know, it, there's so many people who are who are uh, just you know stomping their feet, and they don't want critical race theory to be taught, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it's just become such a bad word. When the truth of the matter is, is that critical race theory is just history, right. you know. And there's uh, like the the young woman uh, who was the first to, to go into an integrated school, Ruby, Ruby Bridges. Yeah. And so that book has been banned in some places. Right. Um, it was written by Ruby Bridges about her story of going into this school, and yet it's been banned right. because it puts whites in a bad light. Right. And I think, and that is the complaint about right. uh, critical race theory, is that they don't want, you know, there's a whole contingency of whites here in America who don't want their children growing up thinking that white people were bad. White people were bad. Right. You know, any more than African Americans want their children to grow up thinking that, you know, that that blacks were bad. Right. Um, and so it's just it's confusing to me as to why we are so adverse to mm-hmm. remembering our right. dark history right. because we are uh, are still a relatively young country mm-hmm. and we've done a lot of stupid crap yeah and we and you know the only way to learn from your past is to remember the past that's right that's right and hopefully not make the same mistakes and it, there it are also, people who don't think those things were mistakes right that's that's discouraging. Un- unfortunate and discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, um, you know, it helps to create empathy in mm-hmm. you. Um, or if you're not empathetic, at least sympathy. At least, at the very least, right. we should all have sympathy for the unhoused, for the, um, you know, for the, like I, I heard a whole uh, podcast episode the other day about the, the burnings in... Um, Oh, gosh, what state was it in when they burned an entire black yeah, community? Yeah, they burned the whole town down. The whole town down. Yeah, they burned you know? because, because the because the community was doing well. Right, right, right. And so the... the I don't know where that was. The but. black history, they don't want... Their people didn't talk about it. They didn't teach their children about it. A lot of mm-hmm. the people who survived that didn't teach their children about it because they wanted to move on. Right. And the whites didn't teach... It was somewhere in Oklahoma. I think so. But the whites didn't want to teach their family about it because they were embarrassed, right. you know. And so there was a lot of denial about the fact that it even happened. Right. And it was a hundred years ago, and there's still people alive. You know, there's just a very small handful of people who are alive who still remember right. the sounds of the fire bombings and the and the bullets and yeah. all of that. I mean, kind it of wiped stuff. out a whole an entire town community. Yes, and. You know, think about God. think about the the uh, generational wealth that was lost mm-hmm. because of that, and and that and it that was sort of like a springboard into a, a lot of people. A, I've heard stories recently about there was a family maybe on the coast of New Jersey or somewhere. Yes, who had a park. There was a piece yeah. of property that yeah. they just got that property back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that it was taken from them. And right, just, you hear these. It's just, it's awful. 
Right. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. <laughs> right. And so we find ourselves now in a time where it's very easy to get discouraged mm-hmm. and to just shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. Because you and I have both been attacked mm-hmm. for things that we've said. Yes, we have. On social media. Yes. Or even on the podcast. We've been attacked for the things that we've said, but they come from a place of of truly being compassionate for other people. Right. So we're attacked about our, you know, uh, about our stand on vaccines or masks. Our, our, our heresy. Our, <laughs> or, yeah, our heresy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and yet you look back and you think, gosh, people like Harriet Tubman and Ruby Bridges, you know, they were, they were attacked as well. Yeah, and they were bold. And they did things that, that they knew they were risking their lives for. And, you know, you and I aren't even in any kind of situation like that, I, you know, where, you know, if I say I don't know what I believe in anymore quite exactly, <laughs> someone's going to come kill me, right. <laughs> you know. Right. But um, but it it's because of social media and all that exposure you know, I think I'm guilty and I get afraid that, you know, people are going to be mad mm-hmm. and people aren't going to like me anymore and all of those things. Right. You know, if you express what you really think about a subject and if you try to do something about it, then, you know, now you're going to run the risk of people not liking you and people yeah, being canceled. Yeah, and being canceled, <laughs> people unfriending you and all of those things. And, and so, as a business owner, you have a lot more to lose than a lot of people. I, I really do. And I, you know, and, and and the reality is is that the person that I am, you know, I I know that there's all kinds of people with differing beliefs and I I've always believed and I will still believe that even if people are differing on the total polar opposites of of political belief and whatever, there are still places that they can come together as humans and enjoy one another. Absolutely. I I will believe that till the day I die. Absolutely. You know, you know, we there's there's a particular there's a, a man that my husband worked for many years ago and he was a personal friend. He was my husband's employer. He was uh, somebody with whom we went to church. And, you know, he was just, he was somebody who was very much a part of our circle. And we loved him on many different levels, you know, as a friend, as a mm-hmm. colleague, as a, as a respected business owner. You know, this was a man that we loved and respected right. a great deal. We were at his uh, you know, one of his wedding receptions. He mm-hmm. was, I think he's been married three times, but um, um, his third wedding reception, you know, we went to. And truly, this is a man that we truly, truly, truly loved. Okay. And yet, and now through this last season of COVID and all that, the stuff that has come out of his mouth on social media and the the mean things, mm. the very mean things that he has said about um, about um, Joe Biden, about, you know, these are mean things. Okay, okay. You know, these are really mean things. And... Um, and and it's really a, it's really a challenge, mm-hmm. you know. It's really a challenge. And my husband just says, 
I am so disappointed. I am so disappointed in him. And that's, and, and, and you look back and you're like, but was he always this person? Right. Was he all, truly always yeah, this person? Yeah, and you just didn't, you just And didn't, we just didn't uh-huh. know it? Yeah, exactly. Or, or has he become a different person because mm-hmm. of the political climate and stuff that we've gone through? Right. These are things that we don't know. Right. And so there was a time when it was great to be a little bit naive. Yeah. You yeah. know, when it yeah. was good to be just a little bit naive. Was it you who said something like, you know... Social media has ruined my my uh, relationship with the with the teller at Save Mart because <laughs> now I see that person on social media and I really know what they think. When before I was just buying my groceries and they were very pleasant, yeah. and very nice. Yeah, well, and I, you know, now, I know my daughter was telling me a, the other day about a nurse that she works with who's her favorite nurse. Right, she's her favorite nurse that she works with, and because she works in in that you know in the same community that you do with the dying and you know, um, the hospice community. Yeah. and so there's this nurse that she just loved, and then she said something crazy, you know, the other day, and she's like, "No, yes. you were my favorite nurse," right. and right. I I think that we have got to. We really have come to a point where we have lost sight Mm -hmm. of the good in people. Mm -hmm. And we've stopped, you know, we we all kind of focus on the negative in people. um, Because the negative can be really loud. Right. It can be the loudest. Right. And I think it is the loudest for sure. I mean, when you watch the news. Yeah. You know, I mean, every now and then on the news, they'll end the newscast with a nice story. Right. But it always starts with all the bad. Right. Right. So. And so I think it's, um, I think we really, we really need to come back to a place where we're um, able to see the good in people. And I think that we need to retrain ourselves. Yeah. I, I really do. I think you're right. Because we do have more in common than than not. We really do. I mean, politics and religion is just one little aspect of life. There's all kinds of things that yeah. we can, you know, connect on. Yeah. You know, whether it's love or our children or, you know, being a parent or being a musician or yeah. being a cook or... Or working in a business together, Or, or you know? even delving into deeper emotional areas. But it has nothing to do with your political affiliations right. or your religious ones. I mean, I guess, religiously speaking, I mean, those things, at least for me, kind of tie into talking about deeper things, you know, Spiritual things for me are tied into some of the emotional things that I might want to connect on with a person, but not the po- political stuff. Right. That's that's just over the year. Right. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. And and it's just the same as you know. I, I feel the same about the political stuff, kind of as I do about uh, like you know uh, about your sexual. Yeah. You know, prowess or yeah, pro- yeah, yeah, proclivities yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I don't need to know uh-uh. that you do that in your bedroom. I, I don't want to talk about what I do in my bedroom, and yeah. I don't need to know what you do in your bedroom. Yeah. Oh, come on. Let's talk about what we do in our bedrooms. <laughs> that would make a very interesting that podcast. That would make a very Liz. interesting podcast. I think we would get a thousand million trillion followers just like <laughs> just that. Just like that if we started talking about. Um, although, let's be clear, you and I are never in a bedroom at the same time. No. (laughs) But maybe it would be an interesting 
podcast. That might be an interesting episode. Um, but it's just you know we get hung up on these on these things, and you know I I look at the abortion debate right now, which is I mean, we've aye, talked aye. about abortion on this episode. We know why. Um, why we believe what we believe and why we feel like what we feel. Mm-hmm. But I am, I, I am so, I, I am just so broken by the way this has destroyed people and by the way that people are using, first of all, the Bible is not supposed to have anything to do with making our laws. We stand against the right. Middle East and Sharia law. We stand against that as Americans. Mm-hmm. And yet, they are doing exactly the same as we are doing. They are using their scriptures, you know, to, on, on which to base their, their laws. Right, right. And that's what we want in America. And yet our Constitution very clearly um, decries that mm-hmm. and said, no, we're not going to do that. We are not going to make laws based on religion. Exactly. And yet. There are people. There are people. And, you know, it looks now as if the, um, the latest Supreme Court um, uh, nominees and the latest Supreme Court judges who were added in the last couple of years lied when they talked about... Blatantly lied. Blatantly lied about what their stance on abortion was. They blatantly... I mean, blatantly. Yeah. They were asked and they lied about it. And it is... That should be reason to kick them out. I agree. Period. I agree. You know, and if you don't want to get an abortion, don't get an abortion. If you, but I'm telling you, if you want to tell other women to not get an abortion, then we have got to help support those women who find themselves in a dark situation or in a situation in which they did not plan to be. And I had four unplanned pregnancies. Four. And I was using birth control for two of them and still got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And the other two, I was, you know, watching the, using the rhythm method. <gasps> You're telling us what you were doing in your bedroom, Liz. <laughs> well, I am married to a drummer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so that wasn't the, the, the safest way of birth control, no. you know, obviously. Okay. But. I always say my kids weren't planned by me. They were planned by God. You know, uh, they were not planned. The pregnancies weren't planned, but they were wanted. And so I had four unplanned pregnancies. I wanted children. And so the timing wasn't perfect, but it was, they were welcomed. And one of those pregnancies ended in abortion, like we've talked about on this podcast. And I mourn that choice all the friggin' time. Right. I mourn it. And not all women do. No, that's true. You know? But I do. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I am anti-abortion for me. Right. But I also recognize the choices that other people have to make for their own lives. Exactly. And science tells us that it's not a baby. The Bible tells us. The Bible doesn't tell say anything about abortion, except in the Old Testament, it gives you the recipe for an elixir to make it happen. <laughs> and God <clears throat> allowed I... King Herod to kill babies so that Jesus could live. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, 
it makes me crazy, right. this topic. Right. And Jesus never said a word about it. Now, I'm not saying that we should just randomly kill babies. And I That's know not what not. I'm saying. That's not even what anybody's saying. In fact, most people who are pro-choice are anti-abortion. Yeah, yeah. They don't want to get an abortion either. I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I see, and there, and there it is. There it is. I can't tell you what I would have done if I would have found myself in a situation when I was 15, 20, 40. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can't tell you what I would have done right. in the, if I would have found myself in that position. Right. Because I would, I've never been there. Yeah. So I can't judge it. Right. I cannot judge right. what I would have done. And that's what happens. We judge you know, some poor little 15-year-old who finds herself in a situation, she made a mistake yeah. or whatever you want to call it, yeah. found herself in a circumstance, and now this is the best choice for her at this time in her life, yeah. and then she's just reamed for it. Or a 40-year-old who never, who might even be a grandmother and never expected to get pregnant again. Or, or there's a health complication. Of I, her or you know, the baby, yeah. I mean, but here's the thing: is that when Christians say we've got to save the babies, I'm like, are are we really are we really focusing on babies? Because if we are, why isn't there universal health care? Why isn't there right. um, more money given to the poor and the in the and the the marginalized? Yeah. Why aren't we doing more to care? Why aren't we giving free or cheaper college education to people? Why aren't you know, there's a whole lot of yeah, things we could do if we really are pro-baby. And like in our, my personal experience, don't be kicking kids out of church when they're 15 years old if, if you're really pro-child. Yeah, and if they're struggling. If they're struggling. Yeah. So we're, we want them to be born, but we don't want to care for them. We want to put them in damn cages right. because their parents have broken the law. And so those kinds of things make me crazy. I'm sorry, to, but it just... It makes me crazy, too. It just makes me crazy. And I want us to love... If we're going to say that we're pro-baby, then let's be pro-baby, pro-family, pro-mother, pro-father, yeah. pro-all of it. We've yeah. got to be pro-people. We've got to care for each other. Pro-people is, I think, you know, another key we're yeah. not pro people, right? We're we're not. We're pro our we're siloed pro, group. We're pro bubble. Yeah, we're pro bubble. <laughs> we're pro bubble. Yeah. You know, I I know people who have had abortions. I've never in my life been in a position where I, you know, but I think I've said on this podcast, I found my I was pregnant. It was a very wanted pregnancy, and the baby died. Yeah. And I had an abortion. Right. Because that was the that the was protocol. That to, was the protocol. Right, and right. I mean, I think I've said on this podcast too that you know, I wasn't they the the language that was used, you know, will will take the tissue. The tissue needs to be sent to LA because technically this has to be counted as an abortion. Right. Right. You know, the state of California has to count this this procedure 
yeah. is counted. And, and there was just all this this stuff. Yeah. And so when you shared that story on this podcast, we talked about the fact that m- the number of abortions may be actually a lot less than people even realize. Because, because that was, considered, that was an considered, abo- an abortion. considered an abortion. Taking the, the, the uh, sad remains mm-hmm. of the baby that did not survive in utero. Right. Was and, an abortion. And, and that was an abortion. And it was just tissue and, yeah. and all of that. Now, you know, I mean, I I know me and I feel like I feel like the only circumstance that I would abort a baby would be if my health was in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Like if, if there's a chance that I'm going to die carrying through, mm-hmm. then I think that that would be the choice that I would make. I can't honestly tell you if if I was younger, you know, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, and, and for me, I would be more, for me personally, I'm with you. I'd be more like, I don't want to have one. I don't yeah. feel like that's an option for me. But at the same time, I have not found myself in a predicament like that. Right. And so right. I can't make a judgment call. And the men on the planet who are making all of these laws and you know, trying to tell women what they, how the F can they even have anything to say about it? Well, and let me remind everybody too that the, that the idea of abortion was something that Christians stood for. Mm -hmm. They stood for women's rights to have an abortion into the late 70s and yes, early 80s. I'm aware of this. And they did it. They they affirmed it and affirmed it and reaffirmed it over and over because the health of the woman was, uh, was paramount, mm-hmm. right? And then in the late 70s and early 80s, the Republican Party used abortion as the red herring yep. to bring together the Christian and the Catholic communities yep. to become a big moral majority voting bloc. Right. But the purpose wasn't to end abortion. The purpose was to was get Christians to vote Republican. So that they could can continue to keep their tax-exempt status in Christian colleges where they were practicing segregation. And they didn't want the government to step in and tell them they could no longer segregate. Or they could, you know, they because they didn't want to put black Americans into some of these Christian colleges. And so because they wanted them to vote Republicans so that they could get all kinds of other things passed, they used that, the pro-life movement, as a red herring. And it's not okay. And but a lot of people aren't aware of this. They aren't aware of that. They aren't aware of it. And they use the Bible as as as, mm-hmm. as a validation right. of their pro life state, right. even though the Bible doesn't say anything about it. Right. They use the Bible to talk about, um, you know, a- well, anti gay. The, the, um, the scripture that they use is that I knit you together in your mother's womb. That's Whatever right. it's in a psalm, they use that scripture as being the scripture that says that God created you in the womb, and so therefore you were a oh, yeah. You know, at the time of your conception, you were. That's that's the scripture that they use. Right. I don't know if there's others. There may be one or two others that allude to that, but that is a subjective scripture. Even you know, you go to a to a seminary where there are scholars who are studying what the scriptures meant and there is huge debate, debate over, over what, that, what means. that means. And your baby that you lost 
Was she knitted in your womb? Of, of, of course she was. I mean, yeah. And God knew that that she was not going to live. Right. The other thing, too, is that Christians believe that you are, they call them angel babies, the mm-hmm. babies that, are, that you miscarry. They call it an angel baby because it just got uh, elevated to heaven before it before ever it, had to live in this so, sinful world. It was so, yeah. It was yeah. so good that yeah. it was elevated to heaven. Yeah. And the minute you're born. You're shit. You're born into a <laughs> sinful body and you're sin. You're and who needs a savior. What so why is up with that? So why I mean so why is it that we want these babies to be born into families? We should want them to go. God. I'm not saying that that's the, I'm, I know. believe me, don't re, don't misinterpret what please, we're saying. Please, please, please don't. But it sounds it just sounds so insane it sounds yeah and it sounds so hypocritical it does and if god was anti-abortion why does he allow so many miscarriages right and i again i'm not saying that god is pro-abortion i'm not saying that i'm saying don't use scripture to stand for for something that isn't in scripture right. don't be and the constitution it's like well the the rights to an abortion aren't is not in the constitution well, that's because women did not have the right to vote. And that's because men wrote it. Yeah. Until 100 years ago, women couldn't even vote. And blacks, they didn't have the vote until later. Right. You know? Yeah, I, and they were only two-thirds of a person. So don't tell Of course there were certain rights that were not listed in the Constitution. Of course. Because the, uh, the African Americans were not considered. Well, the, the women were not considered. The culture was different. And the culture changes. Yeah. People change. Yeah. People get more knowledge. We become more technological savvy. We get more knowledge about this and that. The culture changes and moves. It's like a, it's like a river. It changes. Yeah. There, it would be impossible for everything to be in the Constitution. Yeah. Or for everything to be in the Bible. In the Bible. <laughs> exactly. You so, know. I don't get that. You know, I've been listening a lot to the Hamilton soundtrack, and we recently went to see Hamilton when I it came to town. I'm so sad I didn't get to go it, it to that. It was. And, you know, like we've always talked about that, the sound in that particular venue is bad. And so I'm glad I knew the, um, yeah. you know, I'm glad I knew all the songs because it's very much a, an operetta, if you will. It's, yeah. There's very little it, totally. spoken yeah. Uh, a word yeah. and a lot of singing and a lot of fast rap and that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, when Alexander Hamilton cheats on Eliza, his wife, and he, he has this, um, this, you know, rendezvous with a town slut, if you will, <laughs> um, uh, her husband demands that he pay, that he pay him off in order to keep it quiet. So Alexander Hamilton does that. He he pays he pays off the husband. He you know he pays he pays it off. Eliza finds out about it, and she there's a very poignant song in the in the play where she talks about um, I'm I'm taking myself out of the narrative. No one is going to know what I thought about you or what I thought about this situation. Mm-hmm. And she burns letters that she wrote to Alexander and that he wrote to her. She just burns them right on stage. She takes a can and she burns those letters. Um, I, I, I assume that that was a part of history that she, in fact, said, you're not mm-hmm. going to know. Sure. You know? Yeah. So mm-hmm. she says, I'm taking myself out of the narrative. Uh, no one's ever going to know what I think about this. And then Alexander dies. And 
he is only 47 years old. She lives another 50 years after he is killed. Hmm. She did not die young. She died at the age 97 or something like that. And she then she sings, she like revisits that song in the in the musical and she says I'm putting myself back, back in. into the narrative because I am not going to stay silent on the things that you did. She said she wants the world to know the things that Alexander Hamilton did, the kind of person he was. Mm-hmm. You know, in the play, they talk about, um, you know, take some advice from me. Talk less, smile more. <laughs> you know, because he was talking and people didn't like him. Mm-hmm. He was unlikable. Mm. And so she's, you know, so people are like, Alexander, Take my advice here. Talk less, and smile more. Smile more. And we both know people yes. that we wish would talk less and smile more. Yeah. But here's the thing: they are contributing, in their way. They are contributing. Yeah. And Eliza made a decision to say, you know what? You didn't like my husband, but I'm gonna, I'm going to make sure that you knew who he was right. and right. what he did. And what he did. And she went on because she lost her son as well. She went on to start the very first orphanage in New York and raised like 200 children Wow! because she said, you know what? My life isn't over. I'm a young widow. She was like in her early Mm -hmm, 40s. mm -hmm. I'm a young widow, Mm -hmm. but I am going to keep myself in the narrative and I'm going to make a change in this world. And they talk about being born in such a, her and her sisters, the Schuyler sisters, talk about being born in such a time as this. Mm-hmm. And they recognize it. And Deb, I, I really feel like in every generation, there is something to fight for. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. There is something to fight for. And there are people to defend and to stand up for. Mm-hmm. And there are people who should talk less and smile more. Mm-hmm. But they are contributing because their passion, their, their service to their families, mm-hmm. to their businesses, they mean something. Right. And right. we cannot take ourselves out of the narrative. And even though we are being attacked, we, we meaning yeah. people in sure. general, sure. the pro-mask, the anti-mask, the pro-vaccine, the, anti- the pro-life, pro-choice, yeah. everybody's being attacked for where they stand. But we have got to have convictions based on fact, (laughs) not based on, you know, not based on pseudoscience or Mm -hmm. pseudo religion. We have got to, to figure out what the facts are. And there's, there's good ways to find the facts. There are. And there's good ways to find crap. That's right. And then we've got to put ourselves in the narrative and make sure that we are standing for what is good and right and true. Mm-hmm. And Ruby Bridges was on the right side of history. Harriet Tubman was on the right mm-hmm. side of history. Martin Luther King Jr. was on the right side of history. Um, you know, there are so many people through history um, that have been on the right side right. of history, but they were beaten and attacked, yep. even killed, Yep. you know? You know, it makes you wonder, like, what am I doing? What am I doing to, to you know, make the world a better place? Make the world a better place. And I, I do believe that, you know, you and I both are. Yeah. Sometimes it feels 
bigger and better than other times. Sometimes I feel like I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> right. You know. Or if I'm making a or difference if, if or, I'm, if or if I'm if leaving, if, if I'm, I'm going to leave behind yeah, stardust if, or yeah, poop. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think that's that's a good, you know, kind of a place to kind of sum up what we're talking about today is, you know, what what am I doing? I mean, you and I sit here and we talk about this stuff and it, and I this is one of my favorite spaces to be in in my life these days is just kind of hashing out what's going on in the world and what we're thinking about and and so you know last week we talked a little bit about okay we've both we're both turning you already turned 60 and it's like what and you're just a few days away a few days away and so you know what things are we doing to try to make a difference and are we making a difference and what does that really look like and you know I mean I think I've been thinking about those things a lot in this last month you know what do I what do I want to be doing differently right. in the next you know little chapter here as I turn 60 or so. <laughs> <laughs> well listen you know. here's the thing if you are pro-choice if you are pro-life if you are um you know, anti-vax, pro-vax, I mean, wherever you fall, Mm -hmm. I encourage you all uh, to to continue to fight the fight, to continue to speak your truth, Mm -hmm. to, but, but we can speak in love. Mm -hmm. We can refrain from, from calling people names. Like I talked about this man that was in our life. It has been so discouraging to watch him call the president of the United States such horrible names. That's very sad. It's very sad because... Joe. I like Joe. Well, and you know... I know he's kind of old, but he's sweet. (laughs) He's just, he's, he is, he's sweet. And you know what? Isn't it nice to have this kind of calm? Yes. You know, Donald Trump told us that if Joe Biden was elected, we would have chaos in the streets and we have not had the kind of marching and chaos in the streets that we had for four years right. we had chaos in the streets for four years right. and now we haven't hardly but it had his, but it wasn't his fault it wasn't his fault is it was it you was know, the democrats it fault was, yeah, it was every yeah, it was somebody yeah. else's fault my point is is that is that we can in love share what it what we believe. Mm-hmm. We can also love the people who disagree with us, mm-hmm. but we have to make a choice to do that. That's right. We have to make, we a, have choice. To make a choice. And we also that. have to make a choice to find truth and to understand. And listen, America was founded on freedom from religion mm-hmm. and freedom of religion. That is correct. And I, I love, I love, I have loved my life as a Christian. It's a very complicated relationship, very complicated. Mm-hmm. But I do not want to completely surrender every bit of my faith, even though it's been a journey to deconstruct. I don't want to surrender every bit of it. I also don't want to surrender somebody else's right Right. to not believe or to practice whatever it is that they want because that's what makes them beautiful and that's what makes this country beautiful. We're all different. Yeah. So... It's complicated. Life is complicated. <laughs> and this time is complicated. Yeah, Our yeah. country is complicated. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, we don't have the answers, but we sure like to talk about it. <laughs> I, think, I think what I'd like to really to leave people with is to, is to consi- continue mm-hmm. to stand firm in what you believe, mm-hmm. but also continue to be malleable. Yeah. 
continue to be flexible. Flexible. And let your brain be a little soft mm-hmm. and your heart be a little soft mm-hmm. and, and welcome in um, opposing views. Yeah. Because even if you don't change your mind, you can still become more empathetic and understanding even if you don't agree. Correct. So, Correct. well, until next time. Until next time. <laughs> we love you all so much. Yep. We should, we should get our radio voices on. Until next time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for spending time with Liz Stokel and Debbie Rude on, on Dancing, Dancing with Skeletons. With skeletons. <laughs> love you all. Bye.